Welcome to Inside the Castle, the podcast that goes behind castle doors to have real conversations with real people about solving the nation's toughest challenges. I'm one of your hosts today, Aaron Snyder. And I'm Angie Fryermuth. In this episode, we're going to talk about the Water Resource Development Acts, or WERDA. With us today are Gib Owen, Amy France, and Dave Worthington. Thanks for joining us here today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. All right, before we get started, would you each of you just please tell us about yourselves and your role at the Corps? Um, let's start with Amy. Hello, my name is Amy France. I'm a senior policy advisor at headquarters. Um, I am the point of contact for the Corps for WARDA authorization bills, and I've been at the Corps for about 23 years now. Hi, I'm Dave Wedding, I'm the chief of the Future Directions Branch, and this role we lead the congressional liaison for the Corps headquarters specifically in the core civil works program. I've been at the core for about 20 years. This is Gib Owen. I worked in the office of the assistant secretary of the army for civil works, specifically in policy and legislation over in that office for about 10 years. Now I started my career approximately 23 years ago with the core of engineers in the new Orleans district. Did a couple uh, tours in Iraq then got to uh, spend some quality time with a great team of people in rebuilding New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina came to headquarters. And then, like I said, I've been at the ASA's office now for 10 years. Thank you all for joining us today. Uh, I'm excited for this conversation. And so, Gib, can you tell us what the Water Resource Development Act is? Sure. A Water Resource Development Act is the primary legislative authority that gives the Corps of Engineers authorization for new studies and, and new projects. It, it authorizes modifications to projects. It uh, also provides some very critical information on Congress telling uh, the Secretary of the Army what processes and procedures they want to they want us to follow. So for example, a few years ago they gave us the, the three by three by three process in law that we all know very well today as part of our smart planning process. So Congress recently passed and the president signed Water Resource Development Act of 2022. Obviously, I, you know, we we're probably not going to get into the specific details of that, but Dave, I was kind of curious, like, why is WERDA important to the core and what does it do these bills allow us to do? The word is important to the core because it helps set a framework for what the core does in the civil works mission. Primarily, it authorizes new studies as well as projects for construction. Um, it also provides those kind of policy guidelines, uh, provides us opportunities to conduct, for example, pilot programs or other initiatives that are helpful to toward implementing the course of a works program. Yeah, I'd just also like to say that it, it also authorizes and tells us the processes and procedures that we'll do, like I said earlier about the three by three process. Um, it's, it's very critical in that. It also will provide us information on projects that Congress is deauthorizing. So one thing I want our listeners to understand about the core and how we do business is that the core cannot do anything unless we're told to do it, correct? And the authorization bill and these word is actually are the document that tells the core what to do. Uh, if Congress has not told the core to do it, we can't do it. So the core, for instance, probably couldn't build a, a rocket ship to go to the moon because we are not authorized to do that. And everything that the Corps has to, uh, can do has to be authorized. Is that correct? That's absolutely right, Aaron. We talk about 
when it comes to core authorities um, and appropriations, the, the two ways. And in order for us to, to move forward under our Civil Works mission, the, the, the WERDA, the Water Resources Development Act, helps set that framework, those guidelines. So we talked about what WERDA is and why it's important, but what does the Office of the Assistant Secretary of the Army for Civil Works and the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers do with the WERDA? And, you know, more specifically, how do we make the legislative changes happen? And Gib, we'll start with you. So the Assistant Secretary of the Army for Civil Works by General Order 1 is the owner of all policy for the Corps of Engineers Civil Works Program. So when the word passes, we work very closely with the Corps headquarters and other staff to, to determine how to implement the word. Uh, so in the case of word 22, there's about a, 190 provisions. Only a small minority of those will require written guidance. So we'll work with the Corps to determine what written guidance and then we'll we'll actually develop the the draft guidance. Work with our lawyers to get it cleared legally, and then uh, have the ASA sign it into policy. So the other part that we correctly, you know, work so closely with with the secretary's office is that then the core needs to take that and implement it. And so we work closely, as as Gib mentioned, about developing our policies and to be in alignment with the law, but then we also need to get it out to the field offices. And so part of what I do and part of what a lot of the senior policy advisors do is making sure that we get that word out that the law has changed or this policy has changed and we need to help adjust field to um, do what the new law requires. Okay, so it sounds like the this new word, uh, there's 190 provisions approximately in word uh, 22. Do those changes take effect instantly? And I heard you guys talk about requiring written guidance, changing policy. It seems like sometimes changing policy takes some time, or maybe there's processes with changing policy. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, maybe things that become effective instantly, what things take more time, such as, you know, requiring some written guidance, uh, implementation guidance, or something maybe that requires a change of a regulation that has to go through rulemaking and the, the timeframes associated with that? The law becomes effective, the word of law becomes effective the minute the president signs it. So in, in the case of Word of 22, it became effective on December 23rd of 2022. That means that everything, every effort should be made at that point to implement it. But as Aaron, you just said, there are certain sections that are gonna need uh, some written guidance or even potentially rulemaking. The push that we have or the work that we do so far with the core and that is that we go ahead and try and fully implement WERDA to the extent we can. And as you heard Amy say a minute ago, there, you know, there's certain things that we're going to write written guidance for. That doesn't mean the core shouldn't be moving forward. The field staff shouldn't be moving forward to implement the provision, but we may need to get that written guidance out as quickly as possible so that they can fully implement it. They, they understand, you know, the cost sharing, but that doesn't mean that they have to wait to do it. The, the rulemaking, uh, if anybody's ever been in rulemaking, it takes a while. It, it can take up to a year to get through the rulemaking process. We still try to make efforts to implement the law while we're doing that, but we may not be able to fully implement the law until we get that rulemaking done. And we only really write guidance on those provisions and sections in the law that are maybe not very clear and not written in plain language, where we believe that one part of the country could interpret it differently than another part of the country. And so to have consistent 
national policy, those complex provisions are the ones we tend to write guidance for. It is not typically written on every provision in a WERDA. It's just those that seem complex or could be interpreted differently, and we want to make sure we have consistency across the nation. So, Dave, how often do we see changes to authorization? More specifically, how often do we have a WERDA bill? Well, that's a great question. WERDA bills since 2014 have been enacted biennially or every two years. In terms of actually seeing changes to the legislation, what's really unique about the authorities that were given is that they are standing until they are either deauthorized or modified by a subsequent piece of legislation. So you'll note that uh, a number of core projects may have been authorized in, you know, long-standing legislation, Rivers and Harbors Act, the early 1900s. So what's really unique is that we have this huge legislative portfolio, this library of different authorities um, and programs that are provided by WERDA and its predecessors that enable the Corps to implement its unique civil works missions. So it's been every couple of years since uh, 2014, and the Congress is really happy with this uh, frequency, and they're looking to continue to basically enact these WERDAs on an every two-year basis. Thanks, Dave. Kind of thinking about WERDA and this every two-year process, um, and Congress obviously, obviously drafts and you know passes these bills that get signed by the president. This last case, we talked about this 190 different provisions. Does the core have any say or input to these provisions, or does you know Congress develop these provisions in a black box and then shoot them over to the core, and we're left kind of scrambling to figure out what's meant by this? We we actually have a lot of say in these provisions in that we provide technical assistance to committee staff as well as individual member staff who are interested in putting in specific provisions within a WERDA. Uh, the core does not, for example, lobby or suggest what provisions they may need, but we have experts, subject matter experts across the organization, whether they're in navigation, flutter management, or council, for example. And we also work with our partners at the Assistant Secretary's Office to, to get their input on providing those pieces of technical assistance and legislative drafting assistance for um, the, the members or committee staff who, who seek it. In this past WERDA bill, we provided over 1,200 individual pieces of technical assistance to support WERDA 2022. So a huge effort by um, not only my team, but the, the entire team across the organization. Oh, that's great. And I think I wanted to emphasize this point just for our listeners out there and really the educator staff so nobody gets in trouble. You know, Dave said some key points there. We do not lobby, uh, and the core has, you know, provides technical assistance and legislative drafting. And that's a very official process. You know, me as just a random employee, I can't draft up text and send it to Congress to include in this bill, right, Dave? That's that's right, Aaron. We we have a process by which members can access folks within the districts or even division offices, but then that particular piece of technical assistance is reviewed up through the vertical team to include our folks here within within our future direction branch as well as core headquarters council who will then engage um, other subject matter experts um, as needed including the secretary's office and then send it back down to wherever it came in i, I like to tell folks that um, while you as an individual at your district office may be an excellent drafter of legislation if a piece of legislation gets enacted and it works perfectly, you will get none of the credit. But if a piece of legislation gets enacted and it doesn't have the effect that that member wants, you will get all of the credit. And we are trying to prevent you, Aaron, from, from getting that credit when that piece of legislation that you thought you wrote so perfectly doesn't quite have the effect that that, um, that member wants. 
No, that that's good. So definitely, if you're any of the staff out there, when you get a request from a congressional member, uh, make sure to use the official channels in responding, um, just to keep yourself out, out of trouble uh, and to make sure that the intended effects can actually happen. Um, so thanks for that that educational lesson there, Dave. Appreciate that. And I know we've had some of those conversations uh, personally on the side in the past, but kind of want to talk a little bit about the linkage between authorization and appropriations. I know we've talked about this on a different podcast, but Congress has authorized, you know, word of 2020, authorized a whole bunch of new projects. Really excited to move forward on those projects. Do we need anything else before we can start building those and putting those projects in the ground? That's an excellent point. We talked about it a little bit earlier in this podcast where we need the two A's. You have the authorization and then you need the appropriations. What's really important to do is when you read the legislation in a word, uh, take a look at the language. Most often, if there is a dollar amount associated with a particular provision, it will say, you are authorized for appropriation or authorized for this sum subject to, to further appropriations. And that's a very key point. None of the larger provisions like a construction provision or perhaps a pilot program can really can likely be implemented fully until that particular provision, that action has received the appropriate appropriations. And in some cases, the uh, studies and projects also need new starts. And, and then as part of that, they'll get an appropriation. There is one exception to this, that process, and that is once a study is complete and, and the chief support is submitted, in most cases, if there's money left over in investigations account, they can actually start their, their planning, engineering, and design effort with the money that they have in investigations. But they can't get any new money in the construction account until they, they go through the process that Dave discussed. You mentioned a new start for our listeners that might not know core ease. Can you tell us what you mean by a new start? So new starts are something that the appropriators provide to the Corps of Engineers. Um, in previous years, prior to 2021, we received a certain amount of new starts in uh, among different business lines. Over the past two years, something unique has happened on the appropriation side, and that's been the kind of reintroduction of the earmark process. And, and with earmarks, the ability for the administration to start new projects on its own or to have discretion in starting new projects on its own has been temporarily revoked by the Appropriations Committee folks. So what we see now is new starts that are either approved from the, from the President's budget or new starts that are given by the Appropriations Committee staff as essentially earmarks. So that would apply to new study starts as well as new construction starts. So in the word of bill, um, I think Gib just said they authorized 94 studies. I think there were 30 some construction projects. And then if Congress is appropriating for new starts five to six and they just authorized 30, uh, does that create some sort of disconnect or, or backlog in projects that are stuck authorized but not able to move into construction? Sure, we have a fairly significant backlog of projects um, that have been authorized and not yet started. The estimate over the years has ranged uh, from 90 billion to upwards of 120 billion of total construction projects that are on that quote backlog list. Um, now, those do include some that have started construction and yet have a balance to complete. But then, for example, in WERDA 2022, authorized a, a little coastal project down in Texas 
that has a value of over $30 billion. And so that's certainly going to add to that overall construction backlog. So, Amy, now that the president has signed WARDA 2022, what happens next? So, as we mentioned um, earlier, you know, that some of, of the 190 provisions, some of them are very straightforward, very clear, and some of them are a little ambiguous. Right now, we are going through the entire list and looking for those ones that are incongruent that we need to perhaps write guidance on. Um, once we have that list developed, uh, we will also uh, put out a federal register notice that we have a 60-day public comment period. And the public, any sector of the public, can comment on the provisions we believe may need clarity through guidance, or they may tell us that they think another piece of the provision does need guidance, that they don't think it's clear. So this is the opportunity for the public to come in, let us know how they think we should uh, write the provision, you know, what they believe it means, um, and we take all that public input. And in the meantime, we uh, have our SMEs uh, working to develop any of the guidance. Um, we take into account all of the public input. And then after the, that 60-day public comment period, we then begin publishing guidance. It does go through rigorous review, both um, here at the core headquarters and also at the secretary's office. Um, but again, we won't be publishing any of that complex guidance until after the public comment period is over. And we will soon be letting you know uh, when that federal register notice comes out. So be watching our headquarters website and also uh, uh, your public affairs officer will be letting everyone know where that is and reach out to your sponsors to give them an opportunity to uh, comment if they wish. We do plan on having three virtual listening sessions that will be held. Again, we're finalizing the dates right now, but that will give people an opportunity to log in and verbally tell us what their thoughts are on, on the provisions and, and how we may want to implement them. Uh, but we will also be taking any, any written comments, whether it's via email or snail mail, to make sure that we can capture everybody's input to the process. Well, thank you, Gib, Dave, and Amy, for joining us today for this edition of Inside the Castle. We appreciate you and your insights. To our listeners, we want to hear from you, what topics are important to you and people you're interested in hearing from. Until next time, be safe, be innovative, and be revolutionary. Thanks for joining us for this Inside the Castle podcast. To provide your feedback, email us at cw.infrastructure.team at usace.army.mil. Stay tuned for additional Inside the Castle podcasts as we explore life inside the core and revolutionize civil works together.